0: Hello and welcome back to First Act, a podcast from Koshy's Business Builders. I'm Seth Busby.
2: And I'm Adam Bubb.
0: And we hope you're loving this series as much as we've enjoyed making each episode. If it's your first time listening, First Act delves into the origin stories of Australia's most innovative business founders.
2: Yeah, look, we unpack the light bulb moments, those sink or swim decisions and the hard won lessons of people who've boldly walked their own paths. Like today's guest, who's made hot property a way of life.
0: A very luxe way of life, might I add. You may know Simon Cohen from the series Lux Listings Australia on Amazon Prime Video. Simon is the CEO and founder of Cohen Handler, Australia's number one buyers agency. His job is to find the ultra rich, the most extra homes, and save them a few hundred k here or there. He's gone from starting a business with just five thousand dollars in his bank account to becoming the highest-grossing buyers agent in Australia. Now. To to find out more of his secrets of success. We've got Simon Cohen with us now. Thanks for joining us on first act.
1: What a great uh, play on words there! Very impressive, <laughs> a lux way of life. Thanks for having me, guys. Simon,
2: it is so great to have you with us today for first act. Look, we always start with our first act icebreaker, just something just to, to melt the ice. There's no ice obviously between us, but this is your first act icebreaker. They say you should never meet your idols. Have you ever met someone you really looked up to, and did they live up to the hype?
1: Um, I have. Fortunately, a lot of them have have become my clients.
2: Ah. Yes,
1: they live up to the hype. But one thing you realise is they're all human, um, which I actually like because it 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 makes you realise. You can kind of do what anyone can do if that makes sense,
2: right? So, is there any any people in particular that you've um, that you look up to that you've met or that someone that, whether they become your client or not that you kind of meet immediately comes to mind?
1: For me, they're, they're more um, business people that that I really respect. Um, so, there's a plethora of them. I don't know if I have a particular idol. Like, I guess if I wanted to. Come back as someone. It would probably be David Beckham, but that's not going to happen. And I haven't met him.
2: <laughs> he may, he may end up listening to this podcast, and we'll, we'll just, uh, we'll hook you guys up. Hey, I love you, David. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now let's dig into your first act. You've got to have confidence in yourself to make it in the high-end real estate world. So where did that come from for you?
1: You know what? Um, I was young and inexperienced. And the first deal I ever did as a 20-year-old was knocking on a door as a real estate agent of a house in like one of the best streets in Sydney. I ended up listing it and selling it for for $9.8 million. This was a very long time ago when $9.8 million bought you more than a two-bedroom unit in Bondi. Um, (laughs) And I learned at a very young age that, you know, there's nothing to be scared of. Do you know what I mean? The worst thing that could have happened is um, the door could have got slammed in my face and it did many, many, many times. But I learned that unless you try, you're not going to succeed. And uh, fortunately, that lesson was a good outcome for me right in the beginning of my career. And so that's just kind of where, you know, I guess confidence comes from experience. I wouldn't call that confidence, but it was just uh, uh, the ability to be able to, to know that the, the worst outcome is not bad at all, but, you know, the best outcome is incredible.
2: Yeah, it's that whole thing of you kind of need to knock on enough doors to get to the point and build that resilience. I mean, I suppose that's part of just being a natural salesperson. Like, do you think you were a natural salesman growing up or was it something that you feel like you learned?
1: No, I was definitely a natural salesman. Uh, you know, if you you had a coffee with my parents, you'd find out. My mum would come home one day and find out I, I sold her car for a huge amount of money to one of the kids' parents from school. Like I was always selling and and hustling.
0: <laughs> was she wanting to sell her car at the time, or you just you know what? There may have been deal. a
1: discussion about potentially getting a new car, and I'm not one who mucks around. So that afternoon, we uh we got it on the market and we <laughs> sold it.
2: You took action, right, okay. <laughs> How old were you at the time?
1: Uh, I would have been like 13 or 12,
2: 13? Yeah. Oh, gosh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, the hustle was with you then and the hustle was strong.
0: So uh, at what point then did you realise that real estate was your thing, not a uh, car salesman?
1: <laughs> well, one, I, I hope I'm not cheesy, but, you know, what? what made me realise it was, I mean, from that age, like on the weekends, I had such a passion for property. I used to get my parents to drive me around the eastern suburbs, looking at the houses. Like for me, that was the my favorite thing to do. And I just had this real love for property, this real passion for property, and it was always something I wanted to to be a big part of my life.
2: So your real estate journey started at Ray White Double Bay. Are you talking about the eastern suburbs here? And you did end up becoming one of uh, you in the top three percent of agents Australia wide. Can you just take us through how you get to that level? Um, you know, from from kind of uh, you know, from say finishing school to like how do you how do you get to to rise into that bracket?
0: From the boy knocking on that first door to yeah, I think
1: I think it's just you know learning that anyone can do it, and I think for me the things that worked for me were, one, knowing my market incredibly well. I mean, these were the days before uh, Google Earth. So I had to use a thing called RP data. I memorized every phone number in the eastern suburbs, every owner's name. And and I dealt with people ethically and morally. And clients started coming back to me time and time again. And that slowly kept building up my business.
0: So you... You were doing really well, as Adam said. You got to the top 3% of of agents Australia-wide. But then how did you get to the point where you just have $5,000 in your bank account? Because surely you were raking in some hefty commissions.
1: I bought a property. I had gone and lived in America for almost a year and not worked, learning and studying buyer's agency. And And it's not all I had in my bank account. It's all we started the business with.
2: Ah, Okay. So how do you have that first, that light bulb moment where you go, okay, I want to go out on my own with Cohen Handler?
1: So for a couple of years before starting Cohen Handler, I automatically was dealing with a lot of buyers, right? It was who I sort of gravitated to. And, you know, working at Ray White, I could only sell them the stock that Ray White had. And I just kept seeing this need for, you know, buyers to be represented in Australia. And they weren't. And, you know, people never took buyers seriously. But without the buyer, to me, there was no transaction. And then I had this desire to start a brand and a business and a culture that I would want to be part of if it wasn't mine, right? And it just got to a point where I was like, you know what, I've got nothing to lose. If I don't do it now, I'll never do it. I took the leap of faith and jumped out and did it.
0: So what's the culture piece for you? What's the culture of Cohen Handler? I think it's a
1: place where people can come and absolutely thrive. You know, I get no greater joy than seeing my team succeed and grow and, you know, become the best of the best. And, and I combine that with having fun. And, um, you know, those two things for me are our culture.
0: And you mentioned that before you started Cone Handler, you were overseas in America, you were studying. What, what were some of the things that you learnt while you were there that helped you when you set up the business?
1: Oh, I just went and learned that, you know, I mean, 80% of people use buyer's agents over there. It, 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 it's a very different model, but but everyone typically has representation as a buyer. And, you know, you just learn that there's, you learn there's a whole other world than just the bubble we live in. And you see different ways things are done and different ways people do things. And, you know, you're inspired. And, and so, th- you know, that that's really what, what I gained out of, living there. And also, you know, everyone, you know, I didn't want to be my age now and have any regrets. And I always wanted to live overseas for a while. And so that was kind of killing two birds with one stone.
2: So you talk about the concept of buyer's agents, and this is something that you came in and it was about 13 years ago, right? Where you started Cohen Handler?
1: Yeah, 2009.
2: Yeah. So you came in and into the market going, I want to do something different here. What are the misconceptions about buyer's agents that you know that you want to clear up? What do we get wrong about them and what, what do they do?
1: That they cost you money. What they should do, a good buyer's agent should save you money. Um, that you get money from the agent too, which you don't. A good buyer's agent, an ethical buyer's agent should only work for and only represent the buyer. A buyer's agent should find you properties you can't find on your own do all the research for you and make sure you get it for the absolute like cheapest price. I mean that is what a good buyer's agent should do.
0: Yeah there's no point having a buyer's agent who's just going to be showing you listings you can see yourself on domain. How, do, how that do, you're
1: going to pay top dollar for.
0: Yeah. How do you come across the properties for your clients?
1: You know we've been doing this for a long time. We have relationships with real estate agents that are unlike anyone else and It's our team, you know, chasing agents and owners all day long to get access to these properties and that's why we have such great success and by that I mean 85% of what we buy is off or pre-market for our clients.
0: So did you make any um, business mistakes while you were setting up? Uh, Was there any particular challenges?
1: I've made so many mistakes. I've spent money where I had enough. I've hired people I shouldn't have. Um, you know, I've done so many things wrong, but I feel like all those things have taught me what to do right.
0: Is there anything specific that comes to mind? Because sometimes a, a a big failure is actually an excellent learning.
2: It's like that door knocking thing, isn't it?
1: You know, I think the thing we we did wrong at a certain point years ago was thinking that just the more bums and seats meant the more successful your business was, that isn't the case at all. I have less people at a higher quality now and our business is a lot more profitable than having more people at a lower quality where it was a lot less profitable.
2: And that also would go, so you're you're talking about staff there, but what about also clients? Like you want to go for higher quality ones rather than necessarily the ones that are, that, well, you know, could be wasting your time, right?
1: Absolutely. You know, we've also learned that you don't just take on anyone for the sake of it. That's a really good point. You work with people who are serious, who are legitimate, and and people who you have a mutual respect for each other. You know, there's nothing nicer than working with someone who's grateful and appreciates the hard work and blood, sweat, and tears that goes into it, and that is a really good point.
2: There's a, a bit of a lesson in there for other for anyone with any small business where, you, where you've you got clients coming on board about like going, I, like I've, we've heard it before actually on this podcast where some where people have said they only like to do business with people who, you know, who get them and who understand their business and, understand, and are on the same page as them. But there's got to be situations where you take on work for, you know, for other reasons where you go, oh, look, this is going to be good for our brand reputation or this is going to be good for this and you just have to put up with, someone who's hard to work with how do you manage that
1: um you just got to be thick-skinned and tough and one thing i've learned over the years is that everyone's different i might see the floor as black and you might see it as blue and someone else might see it as gray you know you just have to understand that People are different, they see things differently, they understand things differently and your job is to work together to try and get the best outcome and you can't let that personality clash or, you know, you can't take things personally, that get in the way.
0: That's good advice. (laughs) You do have to be a bit like a duck with the water rolling off the back.
1: (laughs) It's not easy.
0: And We'll be back with more from Simon Cohen after this short break. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2.
1: Play it now with Game Pass. We
2: are back with Simon Cohen from Cohen Handlot. Now, look, Simon, one of the biggest parts of your role is being a negotiator. Uh, so what's the secret sauce to getting what you want out of a negotiation?
1: Understanding the other side and understanding what they want and how you can use it to get what you want.
2: What does that entail? Like what kind of listening? Because you must be listening very closely to what they're saying or dro- or the hints that people are dropping. Uh, it's to- listening, understand.
1: it's watching, it's understanding what they're thinking, what they want as an outcome, what's important to them. If I put it into context in, in, a, in a house perspective, it's understanding if someone's bought and they need to settle quickly You know, you can use that to your advantage. If they haven't bought and they want to stay there for a while, you can use that to their advantage. So it's not only the physical things or the, you know, the hearing things, but it's the things that are going on in their lives that you can use also. But I think the best negotiators are ones who just keep quiet and talk when the time's right, not for the sake of it.
2: It's actually a good point that you raise about how these are – it's not just people – because I think people might look at from the outside and go, oh, okay, well, these are people with way too much money um, just buying homes for the sake of it. But you are also dealing with people who are buying homes for reasons because they are at certain stages in their lives, right? Like they, they're, they're, there is emotion attached to it.
1: 100%. The emotions are high. And, you know, we deal with first home buyers to luxury home buyers – Um, the emotions are high. Uh, Whether they're used to getting what they want or they're just excited because it's their first property, you need to know how to handle people um, and take things with a grain of salt. And our job is half being buyer's agents and half being psychiatrists.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say, do you feel as though you have to be a little bit of an amateur psychologist and and really know your way around people.
1: Oh, my God. I wouldn't call it amateur, but, yes, I'm definitely a psychologist. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've got a PhD in it by
2: now. Well, look, anyone who's watched Lux Listings would know that you've got a pretty discerning clientele. How do you approach those kinds of personalities, you know, without, you know, without the emotion or without pulling your hair out, with like doing it in a way going, okay, well, you're just another person, right?
1: One, you just have to respect everyone. Two, you've got to know your market and realise that there's a reason why these people are coming to us, and that's because they see us as experts in our field, and we need to be able to give them the advice and guidance that they're expecting um, and also understand that, you know, everyone is different and just embrace them for who they are. Fortunately, I work with a lot of clients that I respect so greatly. So for me, I, I have the best time working with my clients.
0: Not everyone can say that.
1: <laughs> it's taken a long time to get here, but I am very lucky. I do have the cream of the crop. As you know, If you're one of my clients, you really are one of the best people around, and I'm very lucky for that.
0: Now, I'm glad we've brought up Lux Listings because I'd like to know how did that come about? Did you pitch it to to the network or did they come, you know, hunting you down and and why did you think it would be a good idea for the business?
1: No, a guy called Ben Scott came up with the concept, put Gavin, Delene and I together and ended up, you know, selling the, the show to Amazon. Um, so... I can't take credit for it at all. You know, the reason we, we thought it would be good, well, especially me, was because I thought it, it, it created a great awareness for what buyers agents do and who we are. And I feel like it it also created great brand awareness for Cohen Handler and those two things combined were really the only reason I decided to do it.
0: Did you know much about TV production before you started?
1: Nothing. I'm an expert now, but I knew nothing then.
0: What was the most challenging thing when you're dealing with the day-to-day of your business with these uh, big clients, but everything's now, you know, under a microscope? There's a camera filming it.
1: Yeah, having a camera crew follow you around in not only your work, but your personal life was was quite eye-opening. Then seeing yourself on TV, hearing yourself and seeing yourself, it's not for the faint-hearted.
2: Did you have um, any clients who when they watched the episodes back that they were you know, unhappy with how they were portrayed on TV or regretted being in it or, or did everyone? No, you'll see a lot of
1: my, like I, I have very few clients on there. The ones who are on there wanted to be and were very open to it so they were very happy. You no know, one thing Amazon does is they portray everyone how they are. So you know, no one could really be upset or complain about that.
0: That's great to hear because oftentimes in reality shows, there's a lot of manipulation, and people end up seeing themselves on TV, and they're like, "Oh, that's not what happened at all," and it, and I'm not like that. Or that was out of context or, or yeah. something.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's what's always said. That's what we were afraid of, but that never happened, I must say.
0: That's fantastic.
1: lots must have good editors, good producers, all that.
0: Now, you said you saw some uh, some growth of the business off the back of the TV show. Can you talk us through that?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it really was a great um, eye-opener for a lot of people who didn't know Buyer's Agent existed or didn't know about Colin Handler. And from that, we've we've had some incredible clients come on board who we've been able to buy for, and so it really has been very beneficial from that from that side of things.
2: What for you has been personally the most satisfying um, client or property uh, that you've you've worked for that you've sold so so far? Is, is there one something that really sticks in your mind?
1: I think it's Adrian. He was in season two. He was my first client ever when I started Cohen Handler. He gave me an a, an opportunity, a chance when this business kicked off and. He's been a repeat client many, many, many times over and for me it's those loyal clients, people like that, that for me are the most rewarding.
0: What do you think keeps clients coming back? We
1: just do the right thing by our clients. We fight hard for them and we get them great deals.
2: And and what about sort of that element of responsiveness too? I mean like you did allude earlier to the fact that you, know, you, you had, had times where you had more people in the team and then you go to having just a smaller amount of people in your team but more quality people. So let's just say, if you've got less people on the team, how do you keep everyone responsive and at the same time, make sure that they've got
1: lives? Look, I think I hire people here who are very passionate about what they do. And so I don't really have to worry about it. This is more a lifestyle than a job. And everyone, you know, works hard when it's time to work hard and they have fun when it's time to have fun. And so it just kind of works.
0: So, what do you do to have fun? How do you unwind?
1: I travel. I'll hang out with friends. Work out in the morning. You know the simple pleasures.
0: What about during lockdown? <laughs> that must have been I, I a killer.
1: A lot. Lockdown was amazing because we were working from home. I was exercising, eating healthy. It was the time of my life. I love hearing the
2: perspective, different people's perspectives of what they what they did during. Because it's totally fine to be. Um, there's those people who didn't were not productive in lockdown, and that is okay too. But for those who found, I think a lot of people found different ways to you know, to make the most
1: of that time and go. Oh. We were really busy during lockdown, but it was just nice to to slow down, if that makes sense.
2: Was it a bit challenging though? Because you have international clients. Was that did that mean it was particularly challenging when it came to um I don't know going go going to the actual like traveling and going to the actual homes
1: and, and that sort of thing? It did. But to be honest, you know, there were, COVID was a great time for the property market and we were busy and we just made the best of it. You know what I mean? We had FaceTime and videos and all those things for people overseas. And fortunately for all the overseas buyers that we bought for during that time, no one came and hated what they bought. So it all worked out okay.
0: You've been in the property game for a long time now. What would you say have been the biggest changes that you've seen in the market over the course of time? Obviously, price rises withstanding.
1: Prices and demand. You know, people put a lot more emphasis on the value of property now than they did when I first started. Houses are seen as trophy assets. They're seen as the place to park your money. It wasn't, it wasn't quite like that back then. You know, waterfronts are a lot more in demand. Estates are a lot more in demand. Holiday houses are a lot more in demand. So the emphasis on property is a lot greater.
0: So that idea of the quarter eight, block and um, every Aussie having a home, that's something um, you're not really seeing these days. Correct. All right. To wrap up, where do you see your next act taking you?
1: Um into a new marketplace uh, Cohen handler will be opening in a new marketplace soon um, and so I'd say that's where the neck the next act is but for now it's just continuing growing the brand and the team and doing what I love
2: you are in a few other markets aren't you you do uh, re- represent clients in other countries right
1: absolutely yeah.
2: so I, we, we can't we, you you can't tell us exactly which country just yet right?
1: <laughs> I wish I could. But we're no, trying to not get the too. scoop yeah. here. <laughs> nice try, though.
2: I'm sure you'll be shouting it from the rooftops very soon. But um, yeah. Look, you know what? what else can I do to become a good buyer's agent? I mean, we were not just about to wrap up, but I want to know like what what else I need to to brush up on if I'm looking to come and get a job at Cohen Handler.
1: Learning your market back to front, being um, ethical. And um, being a good negotiator,
0: I think that's advice that kind of applies for most businesses. I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, ethics. it's not rocket science, right?
2: Yeah, the ethical part is is so important, especially with what people are expecting nowadays from you as a, a business person. Um, you know, Absolutely. what will your business and stands the for? amount
1: of money we're helping people spend, you've got to you've got to do it the right way.
0: What do you feel your purpose is?
1: As a business,
0: no that you're as a person, what drives you, what gets you up in the morning,
1: I think just to create something I'm proud of and something that my team are proud to be part of,
2: mm, I think that's a great note to to finish up on because purpose is ultimately what we're we're all here for, right? Like you want to come out at the end of the day and go, "I've done a great job, I've done something that i'm you know I've created something, so um look, Simon. It's been a pleasure having you on First Act today. For more information on Simon and Cohen Handler, head to cohenhandler.com.au. Look out for that new marketplace that they're going to be launching in. And um, watch Lux Listings Australia on Amazon Prime Video. Uh, Thanks for joining us, Simon.
1: Thanks for having me, guys.
2: And thank you for joining us for another episode of First Act. Give us a five-star review if you're loving these chats as much as we are. Pretty please. And uh, we'll be back next week for another First Act conversation. Bye-bye.